Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And if you've never listened to Movie Club before, well, first of all, welcome. Um, this is a podcast where Corey and I started, uh, God, three years ago now, to help reduce our gap list. Those are movies that we know we should watch but haven't. And um, over the years, the podcast has evolved where we take themes every month. And this month's theme, May 2019, uh, we continue the journey of Mint in Box. And these are movies that Corey and I own and have not seen before, um, yet we own them anyways. And this week's episode, we're focusing on Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man from 1995, which we'll get into an extensive review and a first spoiler-free, then spoiler uh, review at the end of this episode. But before we do that, we just like to check in with each other, talk about some movies we've been watching, and then our extensive review. So, with that on uh, the docket, Corey, how's it going? It's fine. Um, oh. It's been a rough week over here. Uh, and, you know, I can deal with change, but I don't like a lot of change at once. Like, you know, I don't know. A lot of things are changing at work, so that's, oh. you know you know and then so i get a three-day weekend this weekend like a lot of people but it's supposed to rain all weekend and i you know i just want to go to the farmer's market ah farmer's you market. know that's fun time. it's also 60 degrees <laughs> like oh. is it summer there it's so summer here it's like our house until about 10 minutes ago it's been 80 <gasps> degrees in our house holy um, hell and that's we usually like to keep our our house about 73 74 um, same and yeah, it's been like impossible. Our air can't keep up, so we just have to keep turning it up so it doesn't freeze over. And uh, eighty, I think it peaked at eighty-two in the house yesterday, and my wife was oh, ready damn. to lose her mind. Um, and it doesn't help because like we get home about four thirty-five, so the air has been up, and then I have to cook dinner, and that makes it hotter, you know, because like the oven's on or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been hot. We're we're gonna invest in a window unit to help. Uh, keep the central air from like you know being overused uh, but yeah it's been it's been hot um, and you know as I noted on our last episode this week is our graduation week so had a lot of stuff going on with grades and we're, we have one week left with uh, the non seniors uh, next week this week's now almost over um, and you know uh, just just some crazy stuff has been happening like not directly to me just kind of around me and mm. it's not a hundred percent affecting me but it is making like things like i'm doing this or i need to do that and uh it just keeps everything keeps getting busy i i have barely watched anything since we recorded um mainly it's just like when i've had free time i've been doing things to like ease the anxiety a little so like playing a little more video games um i've been playing a lot of pokemon let's go on the switch um, because it's really great and a lot of fun and, uh, it's kind of mind numbingly easy at the same time. So it's like, you know, it's just like a repeated pattern. That's fun. It's a fun pattern, but it doesn't require a whole lot of, uh, effort. And it's not nearly as stressful as like playing like God of War or something where there's a lot of, you know, a lot of variables that are going to come into play. I mean, there's variables in Pokemon, don't get me wrong, but if you've built your team up correctly and you get the basic mechanics of Pokemon fights, pretty straightforward uh game um but uh i am excited though for this weekend because actually i'm excited this past weekend john wick chapter three came out um 
and uh, it's doing really well. And so I want to bring up if you have if you've ever listened to our other podcast that's on the same subscription, our top five movie uh, podcast. Corey, Mike, and I uh, every summer for the last three years we do a summer uh, draft where we draft the summer movies. Uh, we pick five each, and we earn points based on their meta score and their box office. And uh, this year we I think we finally have broken the bonus point system where it makes the most sense, where we do like a guessing game on the, the movie that we expect to be the biggest blockbuster, which this year was Endgame. Um, we all wagered on how much money we thought it would make, which I have won the bonus points, because um, you guys have both, it's gone way over uh, <laughs> what your guesses were. So I've locked in the 100 bonus points, but Corey, have you been keeping up with the spreadsheet at all? No. I feel like it might not be very fair, because I'm not very competitive, so... <laughs> mean <laughs> yeah but the rest the rest of it is I, th- I feel like this year um was the the most balanced teams like i think i have the two best picks but i think my picks three four and five are kind of weak um well i thought john wick chapter uh, three is proving to be a bigger blockbuster than i expected um and has a high meta score so i might actually get some pretty solid points from it but i'm pretty sure lion king and uh toy story four are going to be two of the bigger money makers in the summer um, oh my but, gosh but i think your picks are very balanced and so does sean by the way sean thinks you have the best team um and sean you know has been pretty he's pretty good at this he's, he's pretty, pretty solid this. yeah um except i still feel like aladdin is one of your biggest uh chances because i think it can really do horrible i think it'll have a big opening weekend but i think that will depend I think its box office will heavily drop in week two if it sucks. And your Metascore just came out. Have you seen it? Is it like a 23? No, it's not that low for Metascore. It's it's at a 55. It's at a 55. Hell, that's way better than I was expecting. Yeah, it's not bad. It's, it's better than it could be for sure. But it's also uh, – it's proving where I'm thinking – it doesn't mean audiences won't love it. That's my one concern, though, is that are people still going to get suckered into it? Um, if it were a 20, I think everyone would hate it. But it's a 50 from critics. That means some do at least somewhat like it. And that means mm-hmm. that audiences might eat it up. And that concerns me um, as far as the game goes. I want it to be good because I would really... One, Guy Ritchie needs a win because his last couple movies have not been good. Um, and then I'm going to blame it on Madonna. Uh, re- that, oh, maybe. That but whole divorce thing. Maybe, but I don't know if you saw uh, Arthur, Legend of the Sword, but... I did not. Yeah, um, it's not it's not so good, or whatever the heck it was called, or something like that. Um, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword? I don't know. But, they divorced, like, at least a decade ago, so I'm just being oh, ridiculous. Wow. Very facetious. I think, um, yeah. <laughs> but Mike, Mike's uh, Pika, Detective Pikachu's doing really well in the box office, and he's made some points from that. And the uh, Metascore came out early for... Um, well, what was his other movie that the Metascore just came out for? Um, but it, it was higher than I had initially anticipated for him. Um, yeah, Rocketman is right now sitting at a 70, uh, which is still really early. But um, a lot of critics that I listen to and, and follow were expecting um, the uh, kind of the Bohemian Rhapsody backlash to really fall onto Rocketman. Because it's it's the it's not the same director. Brian Singer is the credited director, but um, the director who is directing Rocket Man took over when the whole Brian Singer controversy kicked in, and he a lot of a lot of people think he directed way more of the film than he was given credit for, 
And so people were concerned that Rocketman would fall into the same issues that critics had with um, with it. And uh, apparently not. Apparently, so far, it's still, I think only like 13 or 14 critics have rated it. But so far, it's doing really well. And um, it's very early. But uh, Once I... Upon a Time at Ho- in Hollywood also has a, a Metascore at this point. And it's sitting at like a 90. Um, ballpark 90 but it's, that's also really early not a lot of critics have seen it yet but um, that's also on Mike's list so Mike's I'm very pumped for both of those movies oh. I'm really nervous about Rocketman but I love Elton John so yeah I I think it looks interesting um, I am a little apprehensive but if the scenes play the way they look in the trailer I think they can be a lot of fun um, I just my uh fifth pick brightburn which was a curveball pick to begin with um is at a 44 but it's it's a horror superhero movie i kind of anticipated it being in the 40s to 50s i'm just hoping it grabs an audience because Makes of its money like counter programming because aladdin comes out this weekend and uh book smart which is the movie i really want to talk about in a moment comes out this weekend um, oh i can't wait to see that and brightburn comes out so Brightburn's like the horror movie where you have like a kids family friendly film and then a very raunchy comedy um, that's being compared to Superbad uh, by many people. Um, and so I'm hoping that the horror audiences will come out in mass to uh, Brightburn. I'm actually... I don't I think, know. We've been burned. Yeah. But it's James <laughs> Gunn related, so... You okay. Know, he's not, oh, I didn't realize that. He didn't. He produced. It's actually, I think, his brothers okay. or cousins or something wrote, though. So he is... And he's been doing a lot of the promotional stuff for it. Um, so... Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it's great. I've heard very mixed things about it. Um, I've seen some posts on like Letterbox that are very negative. I've seen some that are very positive, and I've seen a lot of middling reviews. And I'm okay with middling. Um, I I want it. I'm very intrigued by the whole thing. I, I don't think it was the best pick. Um, I think I might have been too hyped on it myself, and that like, that blinded me from the obvious that it probably won't make a but lot it was of money. Also, your fifth pick, right? True, it was. Yeah. Well, it, was. it gets slim pickings, you know. True, and even sometimes around our fourth pick. I made I long shot was one that I was like leaning towards picking, and I think I made the right call by not because it, it's already out of our local theater. Like, dang, and, and it's it's actually pretty good. So I don't know. It's just I guess people aren't going to see it, and um. Uh, like I, I'm really glad I didn't pick the hustle. The hustle is bad, which I will talk about momentarily. But Booksmart is the film I want to give a few moments to because Booksmart is the directorial debut of Olivia Wilde, um, and stars uh Beanie Feldstein, um, from well I know her best from Lady Bird. Lady Bird. Um, she's the best friend, and one of my as much as I love Saoirse Ronan, I really love um her in the movie as as Julie, uh, her best friend. I thought she was so great and she's so funny and she's she does all these little things so well in the movie like her crush on the teacher it's so downplayed and, and understated and I just I Very just real. love that yeah, it's so real and um, Beanie Feldstein uh, she's also in Neighbors 2 but she's a minor part of the sorority she's like the tertiary character in the sorority that uh, Chloe Grace Moretz character starts um, and I've heard nothing but good things about Booksmart from people that I know. Um, it premiered at South by, and uh, Sean got to see it there. Really likes it. And I, w- uh, yesterday, I was checking because usually Tuesdays you can see what's coming to your local theater on Friday on Tuesday, and the, it was close to me. Like it was about thirty minutes away uh, at two different theaters, so not as bad as it could have been. I didn't have to go to Orlando to see it, so I was already planning on seeing it this weekend. 
And my local theater, though, which is only like 10 minutes away from me, was not getting it. I'm like, okay. I kind of didn't think they would, um, but I'm a little disappointed because I was really hoping this movie was going to do really well. And then today, surprising me, our theater added it. Oh, nice. So we, we are getting, we're getting all three of the big movies that are coming out this weekend. We're getting Aladdin, Book, uh, Book Smart, and Brightburn. And so now I have a little dilemma because I have to decide what to watch tomorrow night. Do I go see Booksmart, which I think is going to probably be my favorite of the three? Do I go see Brightburn, which I think will probably be the least packed of the three? Um, and I, I'm de- I'm not seeing Aladdin tomorrow night because I think it's going to be nuts, and I don't want I don't I'd rather wait till like Monday um, when people have either heard how bad it is or have gotten it out of their system. Um, but you said you were excited about Booksmart. Uh, I'm super pumped. Is it coming near you? You know, I was trying to check, and um, I think that it might be this weekend, but I was trying to look into next week, but they've only got, like, Brightburn and Aladdin showtimes up. Ah. So. Yeah, I mean, the fact that our theater's getting it is is really a good sign for it, because it is a smaller release. I know Regal's been pushing it, because, um, you know, like, before the movie starts, they have the trailers, and right before the trailers end, they have their oh, yeah. little like short films. Olivia Wilde's been uh, promoting Booksmart as part of that for like the last couple of weeks. So Regal seems to have really partnered in on it. So you might check your your local Regal theater; it might be playing there. Oh, mine is a Regal. Oh, okay. My so one that I go to all the time. Backstabbing Regal. Oh no, I I'm a big fan of Regal. I like all theaters that are not horrible, but I think Regal's reward system is so great. Um, cause like I'm getting for free because I saw all the movies. I'm getting John Wick chapter three, um, five feet apart, Hellboy, which I don't want, but I have to take and, um, long shot. I get all four of those movies because I saw them at the Regal theater for free digitally. So that's pretty awesome. And this summer they're doing, um, Sony's got a deal. If you see men in black international, Spider-Man Far From Home and Angry Birds 2 at a Regal Theater. You get all three of those digital when they come out. So, oh, nice. Uh, and a lot of people might think Angry Birds 2, that sucks, you have to go see that. But here's the thing. I might be one of the few people who liked the first Angry Birds movie because I went in really expecting it to be 100% horrible. Um, and Jason Sudeikis, I think, mainly saved it for me. I'm a big Sudeikis fan. And he plays the Red Bird, the main bird. Um, and I thought it was great in that first movie. I really, I mean, it's not like an amazing, mind-blowing cartoon or anything, but it was definitely much more tolerable than it could have been. So I'm fine with seeing two in order to get Men in Black International and Spider-Man Far From Home, which I was definitely going to see those two films anyways. So uh, thank you, Regal, for helping me keep my digital collection up to par. I feel like that's a really rad, you know, reward. I mean, I already feel like... Even when, like, Movie Pass, I'm thinking about going back to Movie Pass. I went back. It's great. I've been very happy with them so far. Okay. Um, That even, like, using the Movie Pass there, you could still get the points? Yes. With their system? Because we have another theater. I don't know. I don't even know what chain it is, but I, like, I hate it. I, like, rage hate that theater so much. It's only, like, two blocks from my house, but I will drive miles to get to my Edwards 22 <laughs> because I I love that theater. It has, like, stadium seating, like, some of the screens are really big, and I hate leather seats in a movie theater because I don't need to know when every single person in the theater is wiggling in their chair. <laughs> like, I, 
I'm going to drop so many F-bombs talking about this theater, but I it's... hate it so much. Man. And they did not, like, if you used your movie pass, because I went there, like, once or twice with some friends, they you didn't get points. Wow. With their system if you used movie pass. So... Yeah, yeah, Regal. I mean, I don't understand why Regal would, or why any theater would stop it because they're still getting the money for the ticket. Like, mm-hmm. Movie Pass is losing, like they don't lose money, but they don't get anything for you buying a ticket. Like Movie Pass's goal, really, and all in Cinemia too, before they went out completely corrupt and bankrupt, um, was that you pay for their subscription, but you forget you have it. That's what they want, so that they get your money, but then they don't have to shell out any money because that's the idea. Like uh, the casual. I might see a movie a month, and so I have movie pass. Versus me, who's going to see as many movies as I'm able to squeeze in with Are, movie pass. How many have you been able? Because when we talked about it before, you were like doing one a week to not like push mm-hmm. it. And I'm still trying not to. I, I'm not trying to abuse. And I never felt like I was abusing it because I never well, did their the whole rewatches. Thing. Stuff, their whole thing is that you could see a movie a day. So if well, you're seeing a movie a day, that's not. But Cinemia had that same thing, and they were quick to kick me out. But um. The I I've, the way the movie pass words it though isn't that they'll kick out your membership, but that you might see limited selections. I have only had one instance where I went to see a movie and I didn't have all the options. So I've been and I, and I think it might have been a glitch and not a punishment on on that part. Um, mm-hmm. So so far I've had no issues. I've still mainly been once a week, but I, I've seen a couple um, more than that. And for example, uh, let's get into what I've what we've been watching. Um, I'll go first this week, and on Saturday night, um, my wife uh, and I decided to go on a, a date, and I am a movie person. I don't know if uh, that's obvious or not to those listeners out there. No idea. Um, but I was like, well, let's go see. There's this romance that just came out that I'm really interested in. Um, that I, I, I'm a sucker for rom- romances. I've talked about that before. And uh, the uh, it's The Sun is Also a Star. You uh, Have you seen the trailer oh, yeah. for that? So I was like, why don't we go see that? And she's like, oh, it's got that guy from Riverdale. I'm like, oh, really? I didn't know that because I've only seen season one. And apparently he uh, doesn't he replaces an actor in season two, I guess, or something. I don't I didn't really like Riverdale season one that much. And I really haven't liked anything I've seen after that because um, it goes like it jumps the shark hard in season two. Um, but uh, so she's like, oh, yeah, OK, well, maybe. And then a few minutes later, she's like, how about we see The Hustle instead? And I was like, okay, I haven't seen that yet. (laughs) And I think she regretted it as much as I regretted it later for two reasons, Corey. Uh, One, The Hustle's bad. Um, Anne Hathaway is terrific. Uh, And honestly, there's a male lead, um, Alex Sharp, who was in that uh, movie with Elle Fanning um, by the guy who did, uh, oh, God, John, uh, he did uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Oh, I knew until you, uh, Cameron, uh, John Michael Cameron, John Cameron, oh. Michael, it's something like that. Um, sorry, I don't remember, but, uh, it's his John new Cameron film. Mitchell, Mitchell, not Michael. Um, and he did, uh, his new movies, like the party girls talking to girls at parties or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that kid is the lead in that movie. And Alex Sharp is in, um, the hustle. I liked him too. I just, Rebel Wilson sucks. Like, she's getting progressively worse because she's getting progressively bigger roles. And the directors don't seem to know how to rein her in, which is what I thought was surprising with Isn't It Romantic. I thought they reined her in pretty strongly. 
And this movie, she's given so much leeway to just ad lib, and it's never funny. Um, it's always the same kind of bit and shtick. It's always like I'm kind of stupid, so I'm gonna say random dumb things that are clearly pointless and have no. And at one point, Kathy, I thought she was getting mad at the other issue I had at this particular screening, but she was actually getting mad at Rebel Wilson's character for being so stupid. Um, but it's we went to a 9:30 showing of a two-week-old movie on a Saturday night. It's in one of the oh, smallest yeah. theaters. So we're anticipating, like, I was thinking we'd be the only ones in the theater. We get in, and there's a few other, you know, sets of people, like, way more than I expected. Like, maybe 10, 15 people. And it's all, it's still, it's like all, like, you know, a couple of, like, older teenagers, um, another older couple, a very older couple, and, and then us. But then eight, like, 12-year-olds come in right before the movie starts and they they sit in the front two rows gross who watches a movie like that not anyone who really likes movies and they're not there for the movie so uh when the movie starts it they we see them kind of like they're like looking talking to each other looking at their phones and they get up and leave so we think that maybe they thought they were in the wrong movie i'm like okay good they come back and then they proceed to not watch the movie at all and they were louder than any group I've ever been with. And multiple times, employees came in and said something to Why them. Why did they remove them from the theater? They never removed them from the theater. So my theory is that these kids were hanging out at the mall all day. Mall closes. They don't want to go home yet, so they see a movie. Whatever movie they're able to get into. And for some reason, they picked this freaking movie. And they quickly realized that this movie is not for them, and they don't give a crap. And for whatever reason, they're not removed. But... The movie was bad enough that I didn't care that much. So <laughs> I wasn't thrilled well, because they were obnoxious and a, a little bit annoying. But I was also like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't feel like I'm missing anything because you're in here talking. So I just want to finish this damn movie. Luckily, it's 92 minutes. So it's not as torturous as it could have been. And it's not like the worst movie I've ever seen. But it, it is not great. It is a remake, uh, remake? It's a remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which is a film I've not seen. Uh, but I feel like I need to now, especially, uh, just so I have some better comparison elements to it. But um, that's the only uh, new film I've seen since since last we recorded. Um, the only other thing I've watched, because we're recording this episode a little early, so I haven't had a lot of days. Um, but I, I, watched, I re-watched uh, John Wick Chapter 2 on Sunday after seeing Chapter 3. Um, I just kind of threw it on while I was doing some other stuff, but... Uh, I really, I really enjoy Chapter Two. I don't love it as much as the first one. I the first one is my favorite. Um, I I like the tone a lot of the first one, and I don't mind where the films are going, but they're definitely getting more Hollywood action as they go. Still better, like better visuals uh, with the action than traditional Hollywood films. But as far as like the fights are, um, he's fighting the same people longer and. Uh, he's not it doesn't feel like the same character that we were introduced to in the first film as far as him being very proficient and um, being the most dangerous man in any room ever uh, I feel like that's subsided a little in the third film but again still really like the third film so I'm not saying it's bad or anything just I I think the first film is a better story and character than the third film but I think the third film is a lot of fun and has some insane action sequences but um that's it, though. Other than that, I've, I've watched Dead Man, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. What about you? Okay, so I rewatched The Changeling with George C. Scott. Mm. 
Um, and I went Saturday to see John Wick 3. I laughed so much in this movie. Like, yeah. there was one particular line that Holly Berry said. Yep. And then he replied, and I just died. I lost it. Um, and then on Sunday, my friend and I went to the 30th anniversary of Steel Magnolias. And I ugly cried in the theaters. In the theater. Like, I there was a point where I was just trying not to breathe because I knew I would just sob. Oh, man. And there were... Actually, there are barely any people in, like, the TCM or the Fathom event, uh, like, you know, classic rescreenings. But this one had quite a few people in it. I would say the theater was probably, like, at least 25%, but I would say, like, a third, you know, full, which was, which is really good. Because I can't tell you how many of those screenings I've gone to and I've been the only person in there. Um, God, I love that movie. And then... Like, when we have them here, they, they never do them at our local theater, but there's a, about 30 minutes away that does it. And they are usually pretty packed. Like, I would say most of the ones that I've been to are pretty filled up. Um, and I wanted, uh, this week, at one theater, Princess Bride was playing. Mm. And I, I really wanted to go I've see that. that twice. Yeah, I can't remember if I saw it on the big screen or not. I feel like I did a few years ago, because they do that one a lot, but... Um, I didn't see where Seal Magnolia was playing local, and I was kind of bummed because I did want to try to see that, but I don't think I would have been able to anyways. My schedule this week is just nuts. But We were kind of talking about after the movie, too, that like the cast for Steel Magnolias is so solid. It's so good. There is not one character in that movie that's like a throwaway character. Everyone is so great, and just it's just so like important to the story and now i feel like so often when i see movies with like big casts like that i'm like oh god what are they making up for now like the story's probably gonna suck but um and then (sighs) i've been wanting to start it again i've already watched it twice except for the end of season five but i started six feet under again because i love it and it's my favorite show ever and i freaking love and now that we're talking now that i'm talking about it i'm forgetting um Richard Jenkins. Oh, is he in that show? Yeah, he plays the dad. And this is not even a spoiler, but he plays the dad. It's this family that owns and lives in a funeral home. And he dies in the first episode. But, like, he, he, like, still comes... He's still in so many of the episodes. As the, like... Because one of the brothers sees ghosts. No, they, they all see him. Okay. The whole family does and um yeah so he's just so great he still shows up in a lot of the episodes but the whole like everyone's just so good in it is and it i love that he sees ghosts or does he like envision them like i can't he, remember they... if, it, if if it was a supernatural thing or if it was like a psychological thing it's a psychological thing Got i think it. yeah it, david yeah. Uh, michael c hall it was so hard watching dexter and then going to watch six feet under because i watched that second like seeing him as this like super meticulous like crazy no feelings serial killer and then seeing him as this very sensitive you know but he's great in it yeah i watched that like when it was coming on like pretty like i I think i missed like the first season live but i watched it pretty regularly for a few years and i i very much enjoyed that show um the it's streaming on 
am on Prime. Yeah, Is who's anybody... the, the the sister? Oh my God, Lauren Ambrose. Got it. Yeah, because I like her because she's in Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, yeah. It, there are and Freddie uh, Federico in the show. He plays like uh, he is one of the employees of the funeral home. He's also in Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, nice. That's funny. Um, and then there's a third person that ends up showing up in the show that's also in Can't Hardly Wait. Well, um, that's a solid show. I haven't seen in a long time. I don't. I've been um, one of my students. Uh, it's funny because it's like I, I'm, we're almost at the end of the year, and my my first year kids. Uh, they're not all freshmen, but they're they're my first year with them. Um, some of them really latch on to me quickly, and some like take are like slow burn. And this kid, he's he's been cool with me, but he hasn't really like fully embraced me. And then yesterday, he was just like. Have you ever watched Peaky Blinders? And I was like, no. I, I'm really bad with TV. Yeah, he, like, was very, like, not pushy, but, like, oh, I really hope you watch this show. I really think, and I was like, well, now's the chance I get to talk about Cillian Murphy, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you I what you love. should be watching. Um, love him. I've yeah. seen most of his films, or maybe not most of I've seen many of his films. Um, but so I started, like, you know, like, well, if you like that show, you should check out some of his other work because he's a really good actor, and here's blah, blah, blah. Um, but I, it was cool because I, I don't get, like, I get kids who come and talk to me about what they've seen, and a lot of times, I've, if it's a movie, I've probably seen it, or at least I'm aware of it, but I don't, they know that I'm a movie person first, and I have put TV to the back burner, and I am, I think, I think I'm ready, I've watched three years of, like, very heavy movie watching, I think I might start pulling in TV shows finally like I think I'm at a point where I've studied a lot of film we're still going to be doing this podcast obviously but instead of maybe watching like five to seven movies a week I might oh. go to like three or four and start adding some tv in because uh, there's some shows out that I've been like that have been really catching my eye there's like an Amazon original called Fleabag that I think is on season two and Kathy and I saw a trailer for it at um the hustle they had like a commercial before the trailer started and we were both like that looks really interesting and um, obviously, Peaky Blinders is one that a lot of people have recommended, and this kid in particular, I feel kind of obligated because he was so. This is like the most he's really spoken to me about something. So I was like, oh, this is really cool that he felt the need to encourage me to watch this. And he just like rewatched all the seasons, getting ready for the new season that's coming out, I guess. Yeah, um, I was just looking that up. Oh, man. See, I'm going to have to get Netflix again. I do not want to give them my money. But um, <laughs> <laughs> also, I've, like, I love. I love Killian Murphy so much. Yeah. And he's going to be in A Quiet Place 2. Oh, interesting. Um, it, well, yeah. I like I follow his career like kind of on accident, too, because he pops up in a lot of stuff that I like and or his name was attached to things that I now like. Like the film Once with Glenn Hansard and uh, <sighs> Iker, I'm going to forget her name, um, directed by John Carney. Originally, Killian Murphy was supposed to play the lead, and he backed out because he didn't feel like he could live up to the songs, uh, which he's probably right. I mean, Glenn Hansard's got such a powerful voice. I don't he know. He just released a new album, and he is touring, and I think the closest he's getting to me is Portland. I need to listen but to I... his solos. I've only listened to the Once soundtrack, which I freaking have listened to so much, like ex- crazy extensively. But, um, yeah, so, you know... Um, Cillian Murphy, Killian Murphy. I, I always want to say Cillian, but I guess it's Killian. Um, TV is something that uh, I might try to hop into with maybe with Peaky Blinders. Um, I've I've been watching Psych 
for a while now. Like I'm, I'm still, I'm very behind. I, I had not watched an episode for a few weeks. I watched one the other day. I, I really do like the show. It just, it is, it's so many seasons at this. I think it's like eight seasons, and I'm like, uh, I'm, I think I might be well, good. I'm gonna have another selling point for Peaky Blinders for you. It's only like six episodes a season. Yeah, he he did that too. He did a very good job arguing why I should watch the show. Um, so I think I think he swayed me. I think I'm gonna give it a go. Um, I think it might be something Kathy would like too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that like we used to do that a lot um, with shows where we would hop on something and binge it or whatever. And uh, when I started Burke Reviews, it 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 dwindled where there was like a few shows like when Stranger Things comes out, I'll watch Stranger Things for sure. Um, we did that with the first two seasons of Thirteen Reasons Why. I was so unhappy with the end of season two that I don't think I'm going to do season three when it comes out. Um, she's excited about it. But my daughter and I, I think have both checked out of that show um, for the same reason because we both thought it was it was nonsense. Um, but uh, yeah, so Peaky Blinders, folks, uh, let us know what you think about that. Um, you know, maybe we'll add more TV talk to this because you you usually have a show or two you've been watching where I often do not. So um, I just love. I feel like you just get to follow these characters for so long and you get to get, you know, you get so much, like, character development and so much story. You're not not wrong, but what my counterpoint is, most shows go too long. And a lot of times you you ruin those good things because of the longevity. Like, you you force things that don't make sense. Um, You shift characters to doing things that they wouldn't have done like to me the best example right now that's still on tv although i think it just ended is big bang theory like oh yeah it just ended wasn't you, it like 27 seasons it was i think 12 <laughs> uh but yeah but you watch season one and then you watch season two and tell me that's the same sheldon like they take all of the little like ob- like obnoxious traits that he had in the first season that were just minor and a little annoying and they over emphasize them to the point where he becomes a caricature of the person that they made in the first <sighs> season and that happens in a lot of stuff. I mean, Supernatural is on seasons 12 or 13, and it was only originally planned to be five seasons, which is why the first five seasons all flow together, and then it just becomes craziness after that because the original writer had planned on it ending. Like, TV shows, because of money and that <laughs> desire for commercial... Now, there's definitely movies that do that, too, where there's too many sequels, but a lot of times you can stop with the sequels you can just like i'm just gonna watch the first one where it's the writer and the uh the director have a vision and it's not just about dollar signs um and there obviously there are movies that have done the sequels or extended universes very very well um or not even necessarily extended universe but just you know extending the story and it works very well but i i like the idea of being able to watch a movie like i hope ladybird 2 never happens i'm very happy with ladybird and I don't think it, I've never heard anyone say that like Greta Gerwig's planning on a sequel or anything, but that movie's perfect. It's, it's, it's an encapsulation of this moment in this person's life, and I love it. I'm great with it. I don't need more. Like, oh my I, god. <laughs> what was, what's her mom's name? Like, when all that stuff with Lori is at Hoff, Hofflin, whatever her name is, Aunt Becky from, from uh, Full House. Yeah. <laughs> They're like using her mom from Lady Bird as like a meme, like so-and-so would never do that was like, uh, <laughs> yeah um so just, you should just you know, go to city college I, sorry I, I also for my sake the the other thing with tv is like my time investment of two hours is much easier to commit to than like 
you know, 20 hours or 60 hours of a TV series. So I usually lean that way too because I can, I can get in and out. It's like I can watch it, I can move on to the next movie, I can watch it, move on to the next movie. Where a show, I feel like this, especially with the binging, like binging gets overwhelming. My wife is a binge TV watcher. Like if we start something yeah. and she likes it, she will not wait for me. She will watch it without me, which is so cold-blooded. Um, and then I usually just quit because I'm like, well, I don't want to I don't want to make you watch point? it again. And yeah, and like now I don't have it to watch with you, so I'm just going to, like, I can't even remember the last show that happened, but I was just like, yeah, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> no. But so if I can't binge, and I usually can't because I do have other time commitments, and I have, you know, my goal is to see at least one of the new releases every week for the, the website and stuff. And then I have the movie club movie I have to watch. So there's going to be nights where I can't watch TV. I have to watch the movie. And she'll if she wants to watch the show, she's going to watch the show. So it, she leaves me in the dust with it. So, yeah, that's <laughs> no. that's the other curveball. But we do need to move into our review for Dead Man. Um, but let's look at the stats. Um, Dead Man is from 1995. It is directed by a director who I am becoming a major fan of, uh, Jim Jarmusch. Um, I've really only seen his movies over the last three years. But um, I've seen almost all of the big ones, at least. There's a couple of ones that I don't know much about I haven't seen. Um, but I've seen uh, Patterson, which is my favorite. Of the oh, I just stories. watched that not too long ago. Um, at least of my favorite before Dead Man. I, haven't, I don't want to say where, I fo- where Dead Man falls just yet. Um, Only Lovers Left Alive I watched a couple of months ago. I really like that a lot. And I think you've love seen that, that one movie. too, right? Yes, love it so much. Um. I, I'm a huge fan of Broken Flowers because, one, Bill Murray. Uh, two, it is just a really interesting film, and I found it to be very engaging. Um, have you seen that one? No. That one I, I recommend. It is uh, another kind of slow burn. Um, that's his style. Uh, we watched together Coffee and Cigarettes, which was a compilation of his shorts. And um, it was interesting. I, I wouldn't say I loved it or anything because it is a series of shorts. It's like it's all – he did – coffee and cigarette shorts throughout the 20 30 year career he's had and this had three now the, and the one we watched was a compilation of all of those um and that's uh the only other major one of his that i've not seen and it's mainly because i just can't get a hold of it is um ghost dog the way of the samurai that came out in 1999 with forrest whitaker um it's not on criterion yet and uh it's apparently out of print physical it's not available like, if I, I went to Voodoo just to price it, and it wasn't available, but then I had this weird thing happen, Corey. This is yes. after I watched Dead Man. Walmart.com popped up that I could buy a digital copy for Voodoo through them, right? And then I, I would get a digital, because Walmart owns Voodoo. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. So I'm like, okay, that's weird, because Voodoo said they didn't have it. So I, I bought it there, because it was actually pretty cheap on Walmart.com, and I was supposed to get an email code, and so far... I've not got the code yet, so I'm going to have to cancel it, apparently, because I'm guessing their website and Voodoo's website, there's some kind of mis, you know, not connecting kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I was, uh, I'm kind of disappointed because I was really excited that I, was, I found, like, a loophole. But no, so I still haven't seen this movie of his. Um, but then we have this film, um, Dead Man, that uh, is from 1995, that stars uh, very young and still not Jack Sparrow influenced Johnny Depp, um, Gary Farmer, and then a lot of little cameos uh, that I think in other movies would have felt maybe distracting, but mostly don't here. But like Crispin Glover, 
Lance Henriksen, Michael Wincott, Eugene Bird, John Hurt, Iggy Pop, uh, Iggy Pop, who's we'll definitely talk about in spoilers, uh, Robert Mitchum, Gabriel Byrne, Jared Harris, uh, Mila Avital, who I don't know immediately, but she's in some stuff, um, and she looks familiar more than anything, and uh, that's kind of the big names i think i don't think there's anyone else super oh well yes there is he's so far down on the list for some reason but billy bob thornton i guess it's alphabetical on imdb nope it's not alphabetical because that guy's last name starts with an h but oh and alfred molina um there's so many like little cameos that you know jermush does this a lot in his movies he makes a lot of friends um dead man is in black and white uh which i think looks gorgeous in this particular film which i don't always comment on but i was really taken by it um the cinematographer is Robbie Mueller, who's worked with uh, Jarmusch on a couple of other projects, and um, also did Paris, Texas, that we watched, and Repo Man, that we just watched. Um, and uh, the music, uh, do, you, do you know who did the score? Who did the score? Neil for Young. This? Neil Young. Um, so it's a completely um, an anachronistically incorrect, or it's anachronistic because of that, electric guitar score over a Western. Um, so kind of interesting because usually westerns get country music or the you know doo -doo 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 -doo. and uh, not that not in this movie. I feel like I just want to get into spoilers because. Well, what we do, we we always start just kind of general. So, uh, did you like the movie? Without you don't have to talk about any scenes or anything yet, but did you enjoy the film? And why or why not? I felt like it was a little long winded, but yes, I enjoyed it. I would say with Jarmusch, uh, notoriously long-winded. Um, uh, so, uh, before I give like my take, I did look at some other reviews, um, and this came out in '95, so it's you know it's been out for quite a while. Ooh. Roger Ebert, who I often will read his reviews if there is one, he gave it one and a half stars. And he said, I once traveled for two days from Windahoak to Swampamund through the Kalahari Desert on a train without air conditioning, sleeping at night on a hard leather bench that swung down from the ceiling. That journey seemed a little shorter than the one that opens Dead Man, the new film by Jim Jarmusch. That's Robert, uh, Roger Ebert from the, his 1995 review. Um, I, uh, I, I don't agree with that uh, point of view. I, I can concede that it is a long, it's, it takes its time. But I, I did not mind that whatsoever. But I was kind of wondering, because, like, I, I've i seen a few of his films. I don't think as many as you, but, like, I love Only Lovers Left Alive, and I don't even know how long that movie is. I, I was just, like, into it the whole time. And, like, with I was wondering if... I haven't watched a lot of westerns, but I'm wondering if that... Is that... Because what I've seen of them, they do sometimes. They seem kind of slow, and then there's a shootout, and then it's slow. It's, do you know what I mean? Um, like, what's he trying to maybe? Some he's he usurps. I think uh, the 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 tropes of the western in a lot of ways um, in this film. Um, I, I'm trying to pull up the article. I'd read another article that was not Ebert's uh, that was much more praising. I think it was. Uh, Oh man, I wish I'd saved it. I don't have it on my, like I don't have it pulled up right now. But um, 
his perspective of the the writer's perspective i don't even know for sure who it was so uh gender neutral on this um was that uh there's a lot that jarmusch is doing here to kind of change the genre from our uh traditionally our protagonist is like a sheriff or a outlaw and here he is an accountant which is not the norm for a western um he is uh, a fish out of water you know he's coming from a bigger city out west looking for work uh he ends up immediately this is all in the beginning of the film that uh the job he was promised has been filled and it's too bad for you kind of thing no one gives a crap um and then circumstances uh spiral and uh seemed almost like fate is conspiring against him um and this film does it takes its time uh there's some some good f- humor in it uh jarmusch's style he likes to inter- interject humor but it's also brutal it's it's a there's some crazy stuff in this movie um there's a lot of uh again a theme that emerges in patterson obviously with patterson being a poet uh, but here, there's a lot of references. Uh, Johnny Depp's character's name is William Blake, um, who he is confused by another character as the poet William Blake. Um, so Jarmusch is playing with his love of poetry. And I think that's, well, poetic in and of itself. And uh, I think that's what I really appreciate about Jarmusch as a filmmaker, is I don't think he's trying to do anything but tell the story he wants to tell how he wants to tell it and you either are on board or you're not um and obviously ebert was not on board for this movie um for me i i really love this movie i had a, a really great time watching it um I, I at one point i did have my phone up which i've been bad about the last couple of episodes and then it, it i just got so pulled in and honestly uh for johnny depp with the ex i think this might be his most like quiet and subdued performance in any movie i've seen him in with like because even like edward scissorhands where he doesn't have a lot of dialogue or um you know in long stints in benny and june he doesn't speak much um he's still like bigger you know he's always being real big here he's he's so like in everything is in because he's he's internally anguished and he's um even when he finally starts to kind of accept what's happening to him he is still quiet uh and i i really love depp in this movie a lot this is this might be my number two or number three depp performance like all time um i really really like him in this movie and yeah um i don't have anything else to add without getting into spoilers because i do have a lot to say i think it's spoilers but um i do think it is it, it does have a very deliberately slow pace but I feel like that's also true of Jarmusch's other films. Um, like, where... Think of Patterson. Patterson, we, we do hear his inner thoughts, so it's not silence that we're with, but it is, it's moving at its own kind of deliberate, steady a, pace. A lot of it seems repetitive. Because, By design, correct. Yes. Because it's establishing his routine. That's how he loves his life. Um, and then Only Lovers Left Alive, the first chunk of the movie, he's alone most of the time you know he's interacting through skype or he's um playing his music but that's it's just hiddleston for large chunks of the movie um or at least a large chunk of the beginning of the movie before tilda swinton and mia wachowski become more relevant anton yelchin um may he rest in peace uh and broken flowers 
for again bill murray really subdued performance he's not being a nearly he's witty but he's he's sardonic and he's um kind of internally dealing with some things in that movie and it's such a great performance by him um and you do get again uh the female performances in that film because it is centered around him tracking down a lost lover uh so there's a lot of different females that he interacts with so you get some big names there um they're all terrific as well but jarmusch definitely has a a deliberate contemplative type pacing that will not work for everybody if you're looking for the movie to have lots of action uh in this particular film there are some really good action sequences i mean the western action sequences they're not over the top they're very quick and but there there's a visceralness to them that i really like was into um the first one i i was shocked and i actually like i was like what like i was verbally compelled to like react to what was happening on screen which we'll get into spoilers but i i'm i'm definitely a fan do not regret my criterion purchase of this which you also have on criterion yeah yeah are you uh, are you happy that is part of your criterion collection yes okay then that's i think a good sign let's head into spoilers guys we're going to talk about dead man from 1995 in great detail from here on out you've been warned so I would like to start, please. Yes. Um, so I don't always check out the features or, like, the extra things that come with my Criterion collections. Horrible person. But when I opened this Blu-ray, I saw that there was a book in it, a pretty, mm-hmm. pretty good-sized book, and I was kind of interested. So today I made it a point to read these t- two essays that are in it, and... One of them was about, is it Jarmusch or Jarmusch? Like, I don't know. I say Jarmusch, but I'm not 100%. So, um, when you said that he he does what he wants with his movies, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I read some interesting things in there um, that he keeps the negatives for his films so that he has more creative control over them. Um, When this movie was being released... Harvey Weinstein pretty much tried to didn't like that he didn't have all the control over it and he kind of tried to make it bomb he didn't want it to be successful um and then I I don't know a lot about Neil Young Neil Young is a musician that if I had if he came close to me I would go see him just because I feel like I would need to um but what I do know about him and what I've heard about him has been like very like kind of chill singer songwriter you know type of stuff so i that's what i was kind of expecting going into the soundtrack of this movie but it wasn't i don't i know that you don't pay attention to the soundtracks all the time like they're kind of in the background don't really but i don't think that 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 you can do that with the soundtrack because and it sometimes it's in such contrast to what's happening on the screen and i just found that very interesting and i kind of liked the texture it gave the film yeah um, um i i noticed it more i still i still when thinking about it now like i can't recall much of it um but again i was really sucked into the story and also the performances 
Um, but I did notice it, so it definitely stood out, but in a good way. Like I think it, it yeah. added something to the film. Um, it, I, I, uh, I liked it too. I think it, so. It, the second essay in that like booklet was about Neil Young and how he made the soundtrack to this movie, and there was a part of it that said that he, I think he rented a warehouse or something. And he surrounded himself by televisions playing the movie. And he recorded the soundtrack, I believe, in one take. And what we hear is his reaction to him watching it. So, and they, like, made it a point that he didn't just, like, sit in front of one screen. He, like, had 360, like, all around him screens. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, So... I mean, I'm gonna have to go back through my criterion well, and see if they have really cool book looks like this because I thought it was so rad. And that's another thing to note about Jarmusch is he is a multifaceted filmmaker. He is not just a filmmaker; he's also a musician, which is why he has so many musician friends. Um, I don't know that he's done anything like big as a musician, but he is a musician. He plays music. He writes music. I think. Um, but he's he pops in a couple of his movies. He's really good friends with Jack White to the point where. In Coffee and Cigarettes, there is Meg and Jack do a uh, sequence. Uh, one of the <laughs> things is for them. And then in Only Lovers Left Alive, Tom Hiddleston's character takes... House. Yeah, they drive by Jack White's house where he grew up. So clearly a White Stripes and or at least Jack White fan. Um, and then uh, Neil Young doing a soundtrack. I don't know how many soundtracks he's done, but I would doubt he's scored one before. Because like you said, this is not... It's not a soundtrack, it's a score. He scored the movie with an electric guitar. And it's really cool because of that. You don't hear that very often here. I feel like so. I feel like so often too when we like watch these movies, and it's like, and I guess also it would be more fair to say that he's a solo artist doing the soundtrack to this, as compared to some of the movies that we've watched where they've had bands do the whole soundtrack. Yeah. Like I love Harold and Maude. I'm not really a Cat Stevens fan. Yeah, and I tried after watching that movie, and yeah, still not a Cat Stevens fan, but I like it in the movie. Yeah, it's fine in the movie, but I just, I I feel, uh, I just... I feel that way about Simon and Garfunkel and The Graduate, too. Like, I really like the songs in The Graduate. Oh my god. But generally, I can't just, like, chill to, like, Simon and Garfunkel music. No. No, thank you. And then, like, I, neither of us loved this movie, but The Last Unicorn, wasn't that America? Yeah, I think it was America. And, yeah, you and I did not did not love that. Many people beloved classic, but I was... <laughs> we do that a lot. At least we yeah. usually see eye to eye and we're not at each other's it, throats. We have, for a lot of the big beloved films, with the exceptions of the noir ones, because I tend to like those and you have mainly not. Um, but, yeah, a lot of those big ones that we both, I think... We were both worried about the other with uh, Suspiria. Like, we're both thinking, oh, that th- they're going to love it, but I hate it. And we're both like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we don't talk about any of this before, like, yeah, we no. talk about it on the podcast. We literally almost but... say nothing at all. Even sometimes we don't even know if we've watched the movie yet. Um, yeah. Resulting in one episode where you had watched the wrong movie. But, Oops. I'm um, a little better about checking now. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm not nervous every single time. And sometimes I'll just be like, or I'll check again, which I've already said that's, it's pointless at that, you know, but I just, you know. Yeah. Well, one scene uh, that I loved was when Gabriel Byrne walks in. So Depp meets this girl played by, um, I already said her name, but I have now forgotten. Um, and he ends up going back to her place and they're flirty. They're flirty. And there's no nudity or anything. Jarmusch is pretty good about that. Um, uh, there is there is one really creepy scene in Broken Flowers. Millie Abadol. Yes. 
Um, Broken Flowers does have a scene of nudity that is uncomfortable, and uh, so does Only Lover Left Alive has a scene of nudity, but it's not uncomfortable. It's actually quite, um, it's very tasteful, but it's also like, it's so artistic because it's an overhead shot of Tilda Swinton curled up to Tom Hiddleston, and um, I think the one I'm thinking of, and it's just like it's very quick and it's not even really sexual. It's more artsy because it's like this. It's love. It's not about the sexuality of it. Um, Broken Flowers is not that, but it's also, it's made to emphasize how bad of a situation he's walked into. Uh, not so much, it's not sexual, it's not sexualized, but it's still like, oh, I can't show that into my class. But like Patterson, um, there's so much about his love for his woman and she is depicted as naked, but she's completely covered under, under the sheet. Um, and it's always very tasteful. Like there's no anything. And that's this movie, um we cut to like what appears to be post-coital like they've had sex apparently uh there he's wearing his long john underwear you know like <laughs> the the old school western like completely covered uh and she's wearing like doesn't look like bed clothes it looks like a like what is it um corset corset and uh still a, like a skirt or dress um at, under like she they both seem fairly clothed but they're laying like they've had sex and a man walks in and I love Depp during the scene because he's like hiding his face with the sheet, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm not here. And um, Gabriel Byrne gives this really mo- like powerful monologue about how you know I thought there was maybe a chance we could get back together. He doesn't seem angry; he seems heartbroken. And like they weren't still together, so that was an important detail. Like she didn't cheat on him, but uh, he says something like, "I was really hoping we could." get back together and she says like there's no way in hell and so he goes to shoot um apparently he's aiming the gun at uh depp's character walter blake um or whatever blake something blake. william blake william blake not, uh, jesus i'm just screwing up names everywhere um and she jumps in front of the bullet uh depp had recently uh pointed out that she had a gun grabs the gun and shoots 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 hits a brutal shot in the neck um, and then we find out that Depp got hit too. The bullet went through her chest and into his, but not all the way. Um, and he's, you know, he's panicked. He falls out a window, John Wick uh, esque, and um, hops on a horse, rides off into the woods, but very, very injured. And the the before anything else, I have to say the next scene that we see is this big uh, Native American sitting on top of him with a knife trying to get the bullet out and it was brutally like graphic to me i was like oh my god that looks so painful um but all right would you have anything to add to that sequence i guess it i well it happens a couple times in the movie like there's like almost i mean even i mean we've already gotten into spoilers and it's called dead man so um, there's, n- there's no man left standing. Hmm. Like, with this scene, I mean, because he ends up dying from it. Oh. And then at the end of the movie, you know, when he's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, no- nobody is the-, the man who's sitting on his chest, um, which I love. I, I feel like that's got to be a reference to the, o- the Odyssey, um, because Odysseus tells Polythemus, the Cyclops, that his name is Nobody. So when he pokes mm-hmm. out Polythemus's eye, Polythemus says, nobody poked my eye out, and none of the other Cyclopses come to help him because nobody did anything. 
nobody poked his eye out. So it's like, well, whatever, Polythemus, shut up. Um, and that's, uh, there is a scene that kind of plays like that with Iggy Pop, which we'll get to in a moment. But um, it's interesting you point out, though, like almost every man, the only one who I don't think is uh, killed, though, is the guy who sends everybody after him. Um, oh, the owner of the company. Yeah, and the father to Gabriel Byrne's character, which is that irony because he's he uh which is played by robert mitchum um gabriel Byrne turns out to be his son uh so the guy already didn't like william blake because he he was kind of demanding a job and he was like screw you i didn't you know you were too late um and then he hires all the hitmen uh puts the bounty on his head keeps increasing the bounty and um lies to the three bounty hunters that he initially hired that are supposed to be the best of the best yep which... And uh, and so he doesn't. He goes unpunished. Um, from my well, I mean, I guess he lost his son and his horse that he was way too fond of, apparently. Um, but uh, as far as I, I knew, like... he's not killed or anything. That was a pride thing. But he's never in the middle. He's like never in the mix. He's yeah. never doing any of the, I guess, hard work. He's never doing anything physical he's just like the strings behind the operation i guess i don't Which, know i mean that might be commentary though um that jarmusch is making that that character who is the the villain in almost every regard because he you know like he fabricates that William Blake one killed the girl too, which he didn't do, right? And that they were engaged, her son, his son, and yeah. this girl. And that, like, yeah, he he totally makes it look like uh, poor Charlie was was murdered in cold blood, and so was his fiance by this stranger from out of town. When in reality, uh, William Blake defends her. Like, well, granted, she's already dead, but he he shoots in retaliation, not initially. Um, and also, he's probably thinking that the guy's going to shoot him next. You know, why wouldn't he? He just killed the girl. Why not kill the guy? So he's yeah. being defensive, but that's not what happens. And so um, you could argue, of course, and I saw – I didn't read the article, but I saw one of the articles that I pulled up um, was arguing that the whole thing's a meditation on purgatory and that he's That was mentioned too. That he's dead from the beginning, right? Like Because he gets shot in the chest – and we're told by nobody that the bullet's right next to your heart. You have white man's metal next to your heart. Um, so he's dying the entire movie um, slowly. And so, you know, he's able to uh, make up for some of his shortcomings. He was very timid, very afraid. That is not the man we see throughout the film after this point. I mean, he shows up, that timid guy shows up a couple of times. But um, the scene that... Uh, with okay let's go to the iggy pop scene because that scene is way too cool because billy bob thornton and jared harris are two they're all weird um iggy pop is playing uh uh, salvatore sally jenko so he's wearing a bonnet so iggy pop in a bonnet but talking just like iggy pop like not not in any type of western character (laughs) he is 100 percent want to meet him i just want to meet him so much and he's making beans and jared harris's character he doesn't the like the beans. beans not according to jared harris but there's po- there's possum in it so like how can you not like the possum beans <laughs> but oh, no. billy bob thornton cracked oh. me up so hard in the scene but so nobody sends um this is the scene that's gonna play the the odyssey style 
he sends William Blake in to talk to them. He's like, go see what they, they have. And he's apprehensive, but he, he walks up and he's starving. He wants the beans, so he's like, fine. Um, and they all, like, start swooning over him. Like, they're all on top of him, and, like, they're, like, petting him almost. They're talking about his hat. They seem kind of nice, but then it gets real creepy real fast when you realize that Jared Harris's character and Billy Bob Thornton's character are debating who gets to have him uh, as a pet, which really recontextualizes Sally's role or Iggy Pop's role in their in their group dynamic um, because he's wearing a bonnet and he seems to be con- content with his role in the group, but uh, William Blake is not okay with that. Um, and then he, uh, they had asked the question, who are you with? And his answer? Nobody. Nobody. Because, again, I think a clear reference to the Odyssey. Um, and the, the scene proceeds, uh, uh, Billy Bob Thornton and Jared Harris are going to, uh, shoot each other. Jared Harris is like, I'm gonna shoot you. And he's like, you won't do it. And then he shoots him in the foot. And his reaction to being shot in the foot is the funniest freaking thing. <laughs> Like, I don't even remember what he says, but just how he he delivers the line, it is so great. I I laugh so hard during that sequence, and I'm also stunned though because he's debating who he's gonna kill. Is he gonna kill Jared Harris or is he gonna kill William Blake? It looks like he's gonna kill William Blake. Nobody comes up, and it is a vicious knife slash neck. Like it is so brutal. Um, and then Blake I was shoots. Kind of surprised. Yeah, me too. Me too, because it was really brutal. Blake shoots uh, Jared Harris's character. Sally Ann, or Sally, just Sally, goes to get... I don't know where the Ann came from. Uh, Sally, <laughs> Sally goes to grab a gun, and nobody accidentally shoots uh, Billy Bob Thornton's gun into Sally Ann. At least it seemed like an accident, but a very well and well-timed accident. Um, and William Blake gets some beans, apparently the best beans. Uh, so I, I, that seems so great. It's It's crazy... Um, it does show you kind of like this, uh, it, you could even maybe argue like it's like a harpy type situation. Um, again, pulling from Odyssey. I, I started after that scene, I started looking to make other Odysseus connections or the Odyssey connections. Um, I don't feel like there are many, I might be missing some other stuff, but, uh, like a movie that the Coen brothers film, Oh Brother Where Art Thou outright tells you this is like a retelling of, of the Odyssey. Um, this movie does not tell you that um, it doesn't entirely work. Uh, there is a sequence where uh, um, Odysseus, I, I think, if I remember correctly, he dresses as a woman to avoid being drafted into the war because he doesn't agree with the, the fight for the, the uh, Trojan War. Um, but I'm not 100% if that's right. But if that's the case, so uh, Iggy Pop being in dressed as a woman could be a reference to that as well. That whole scene might just be a reference to the odyssey but the the nobody naming of the character that gary farmer plays uh definitely had me from the beginning just like well that's an interesting choice to go now there's poetic reasons for his name being nobody is he's he doesn't have a home he was um his backstory is very tragic but i liked how it plays in and um i i really love the dynamic between william blake and nobody especially because nobody is a big fan of the poet and confuses him as the poet um and that leads to my favorite line in the movie when Johnny Depp uh, as William Blake owns his newfound like outlaw role when he walks up on the marshals you know what I'm talking about I'm not remembering I remember so, well I don't know if it was that particular part but he 
Well, nobody le- leaves him, right? Nobody's left yeah. him. Um, and he, uh, he wakes up and he's alone. He walks off for a little bit. When he comes back to his camp, there are two bald men, marshals, um, looking at his camp. And one of them goes, are you William Blake? And Depp responds so calmly, so cold-bloodedly. Yeah. Yes, do you know my poems? And then kills them. Well, he kills one, which leads to the other person being shot by like this weird Ruth Gold Ruth Goldberg? No, that's not it. Is it Ruth Goldberg machine? What are those things called? Oh, I don't well, you know, he shoots the one guy in the stomach, and he, he then shoots the other guy in the stomach, in which uh, he then puts him out of his misery. But, man, that that line delivery is so cold, and it's so, like, him owning this newfound position. I just was like, oh, man, this scene is, is awesome. And I wasn't even thinking about this scene. I, I don't know. I wasn't thinking about all the different scenes in the, movies, in the movie where that happens, where nobody's left. Yeah. There's... Like, are you talking about the character nobody, or, like, nobody Well, is... no, that no one's left alive, because Depp dies anyways. Mm-hmm. Well, even, he, and then... Maybe dying, or... I, my sad, the saddest part of the movie for me is the end, when you see uh, nobody sends the not-quite-dead-yet William Blake out into the water on, the like, the death-burial boat, and uh, Depp's, like, looking up. He's, he's okay with it. Like, he's accepted that he's dying, but he like mm-hmm. looks up and sees the uh, Cole Wilson played by Lance Henriksen creeping up behind nobody, and then they kill each other. Which Wait, that was nuts because like he shoots nobody, and then nobody shoots him, and they fall at the exact same time. Yep, and I'm just like, no, not nobody, because I really love nobody. Nobody's my favorite character yeah. in this movie. Um, but we do need to talk briefly about Cole Wilson because <sighs> what an evil evil man i hope that's the right one i'm pretty sure it is yeah i'm pretty sure um he kills the kid because there's three bounty hunters he's one of the three bounty hunters he kills uh johnny the kid Pickett, who's played by eugene bird who i'm looking at like i know this guy and then he's in uh arrow on the cw as um, a recurring character he's not one of the main characters but he's a recurring character when i was still watching the show so i'm like okay that's where i know him from um and he's in a couple other things but uh, the other guy, Michael Wincott, um, plays Conwell Twill. He's in stuff I have not seen, but like he's in Westworld and uh, Basquate, Bas- Basquiat. That's how you Basquiat. say it. Which I've mm-hmm. not seen, but know about because of you on our uh, top five episode of biopics a, wh- a while back. But um, so before he kills the kid, Twill warns the kid that this dude's nuts and that supposedly he had sex with his mom and, and dad. And then killed them, and then ate them. If I'm not mistaken, is that what it was? Maybe I feel like there was only two things. So maybe I, maybe one of those is wrong. I thought it was the just slept with the mom and the dad. And they're like the mom and the dad, or yes, but he definitely ate them. He says he's a cannibal. He makes that claim, and then later it's confirmed that he's a cannibal because we don't see Twill. We hear a gunshot. And then we see him eating what appears to be a human hand's bone. Like, very... At first, not as clear, but then as he, like, repositions it to eat, definitely a cooked human hand uh, that he's munching on. Um, So he's a psychopath uh, who was, you know, hired by this other psychopath to kill William Blake. And he's unsuccessful. Um, He's always stalking him. He's always a few steps behind. Uh, We see him make some other kills. He does get shot 
by a, an arrow at one point, but um, yeah, he kills nobody, and that makes me sad. Um, let's see, is there anything else that I really wanted? Uh, there was a recurring joke about tobacco. Oh my god, I love that so much. Me too. <laughs> But I feel like there's something I'm not getting about it. Like, it could just be a, a running gag, but I feel like there's maybe something more important with it. Because he does end up with tobacco. Um, one, uh, the, the scene with freaking, um, why do I always forget his name? Alfred Molina, where he's like, he has this little shop and mm. he's racist and he, we get the old school kind of like not sell anything to the Native American, but then turn around and sell it to the white guy who asked for it. Uh, says he has it's from no my own pers- personal stash. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so he he gets the tobacco from there. But then uh, even when uh, he sends Depp out, he's like, "You have tobacco." <laughs> it's like a funny little throwaway line at the end. But yeah, that recurring joke was great. It, it popped up a lot. I feel like there might be something deeper to it that I'm not getting, um, or it might just be a character trait because it, uh, everyone else seems to smoke or at least reference smoking. And Depp doesn't, uh, and that's a character trait. Again, he's like, no, I don't smoke. I don't have tobacco because I don't smoke. Um, yeah, I really, really, really like that. Um, Wasn't Alfred Molina also in, like, the coffee – was it Coffee and Cigarettes? Yeah, he's in part? one of the funny ones with uh, Steve Coogan. Um, that was For one there. of my favorite ones, actually, because uh, he's trying to make an appointment, I think. With, like, he's trying to, like, schedule another – dinner or something with coogan i think and like coogan's trying to blow him off or it's the other way around something like that it was something really funny with the two of them i i really like that one i was trying to find it but he has the ex- an extensive filmography molina yeah yeah like, yeah he does um he's in like, coffee and cigarettes it's got to be one of the older ones too i think because it's um or maybe it's in the middle like the 90s uh but he's uh, also in... He does a lot of, like, smaller parts. He's not afraid to do a small role. Like, in this movie, he's only on screen for a minute or two. Um, but he's great in it. Uh, and then um, Boogie Nights. He's he's the crazed uh, drug porn guy that they, oh, they run into. Um, small scene again, but very, very memorable scene in that movie. Um, with Thomas Jane, John C. Riley, and uh, Mark Wahlberg all messing with him. Um... Yeah, I think I'm I'm kind of done. Um, I I love a lot about this film. I think it's definitely a film that I have not uh, fully dissected yet. Like I think there's a lot to, I think that's Jarmusch's style too. I think there's a lot there to interpret and to take in, um, and a lot of different ways that you can kind of get what he's trying to say. And that's one of the things I love about him as a filmmaker is he definitely has something to say. He's, he doesn't rush making movies. That's why I'm so excited about his new film that's coming out in a couple of weeks. I'm so pumped. The Dead yes. Don't Die. Um, he's working again with both uh, Tilda Swinton, who he's worked with now, I think, three times. Um, for sure, at least three times, because she's in Broken Flowers. She's in uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. And she will be in Dead Don't Die. Second time with Adam Driver from Patterson to this. I think uh, third time with Bill Murray because Bill Murray is in one of my favorite coffee and cigarette bits with, I think, the RZA and another dude from the Wu-Tang Clan who I don't remember. Um, That scene is hilarious. And uh, obviously Broken Flowers. And then a bunch of other people. Chloe Sevigny is in it. Um, Man, I'm forgetting. He's got a lot of people in it, though. And I am very, very It's like everybody. I think that that is also interesting because, like, 
I feel like often you'll see a director work with like one person mm-hmm. for a long time and they'll have them in a lot of films and then maybe they'll move on to another person. But he does that a lot with what like, it has... tells me, like the way I kind of assume is that he must be one of the coolest per- people to work with. Like he's just because it seems like everyone like think of the diversity in the coffee and cigarettes alone because you do have Jack White, you have Iggy Pop, you have uh, Tom Waits who's in one of his earlier films too as like the lead. Um, Waits is in, in those but then you get rappers too which is not that's not always the mix you know because the RZA and I, again, I don't remember what who the other Wu-Tang guy is in that at, at least the Wu-Tang Clan he's friends with the Wu-Tang Clan because Method Man's in Patterson for one little throwaway scene it's a great scene too but it doesn't need to be in the movie but yet there's Method Man and like I mean it could have been in the movie and been anybody it could have been just Joe Schmo pretending to rap but instead it's actually Method Hold Man on. Was it that scene where they drive up and he has his dog? No. And they're in the car and they comment. Method Man's what rapping in the it? laundry room. Um, like, oh! Yeah, and he stops to listen I've to him rap. Only seen it one time. But... Yeah, and my understanding is he's playing himself. He's actually supposed to be Method Man because of, like, where I, I think his Method Man might be Jersey-based. I, I could be wrong, but I think I read that he's playing himself. Um, who's just working on his lyrics uh, while he's doing his laundry. Which makes no sense because I highly doubt... Method Man is going to a laundromat, but um, maybe he was just chilling. You know, I don't know. But um, yeah, and I guess maybe if you're on tour, maybe you have to use a laundromat. You know, if you're like, maybe he doesn't live in Jersey; he's touring in Jersey, so he's just using a, a laundromat. Um, I don't know. But either way, uh, that's cool. Though Jarmusch uses a lot of people in interesting ways, and um, <clears throat> it also has. You, you've watched a good place, right? A good place. The Good Place, the TV show with uh, Kristen Bell and Tom- Ted Danson? No. Oh my god, Corey, you must watch The Good Place. It is so great. That's one of the few TV shows that I have kept up with. I am behind on season three because I, I have to wait till it comes on Netflix. But man, season one and two are amazing and so funny. But uh, one of the, the actors um, in The Good Place who plays uh, Titi is in Patterson. He's the, uh, the actor whose girlfriend is like breaking up with him and he's like all melodramatic at the bar about it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's so good on The Good Place. Um, but yeah, uh, Jarmusch is a filmmaker that I, I adore, and I actually just taught Patterson with my Film 2 class this year. Um, mixed reactions, some of my students don't like slow-paced films, but as for some, it really, really resonated. Um, and for me, it, it just, it 100% resonates. I, I love that film. Um, I, I, I definitely love... think he's up there for me with directors. Sorry to cut you off. No, I don't even remember where I watched Patterson. I don't remember it's if it's on. on... Uh, it's actually a Prime original, so it's on Prime. Amazon Prime. Okay, yeah. perfect. And I love his relationship with his wife in it so much. Mm, his wife mm-hmm. annoys me a little bit. Sure, and she's kind of supposed to. She's a little, little much. But and also, I mean, make your own money. But sorry, excuse me. Um, I feel like she wants a lot, but doesn't want to like contribute a lot sometimes. But anyways, I, I still mean... really love their relationship i i they are a yin and yang um she, like he is order she is chaos uh and i love that dynamic of their relationship because he is completely uh content just going about his day the way he's always done it and, and she, she always needs something new an agent of change she's always looking for the next thing she's constantly painting the house or changing the curtains or clothes creating uh there are a lot of a lot of patterns with her she likes black and white which is really uh oh surprising um i've keep my i I watched this um 
once a, when it like first came on Prime, I think I watched it in preparation to teach it, and then I watched it when we taught it. So um, I'm very very like in on this film, and I've read a bunch about it, so I could talk more about it with my kids. I really love Patterson. Um, I think though, just as I mentioned ranking earlier, I think Patterson's still my favorite. But I think Dead Man is my second favorite Jarmusch film. Like, I think it's... Uh, oh. And it is my favorite... Um, it's my second favorite Johnny Depp performance. What's your first one? Ed Wood. Ed Wood. Yeah, Ed Wood is freaking fantastic. So, um, which I've only recently seen, but I flippin' loved it. I watched it when we did our top ten... Sorry, we don't do top ten. Top five Tim Burton movies. Um, I watched uh, Ed Wood and Mars Attacks... Uh, Big Fish, finally, and uh, Corpse Bride to uh, knock off all but I've yet to see Big Eyes and I've yet to watch uh, Dark Shadows all the way through. But, um, yeah, I, I love Depp in this. I mean, I think he's great. I do. I like Captain Jack Sparrow. I think he's a powerhouse as that character, but... That's who he is now as a person. It's, um, yeah, it's definitely become him. But I feel like, like the early to mid-90s were just him his peak like mm-hmm. i just yeah because I, I think know. i think ed woods the year before this or the year after this or something it's in that same area i love the edward scissorhands performance i love the benny and june performance like way more than i ever thought what's I eating would've. gilbert grape terrific and normal performance he's like a normal guy and what's he couldn't be more normal in what's eating gilbert grape almost to the point where dead man it almost seems like that character got sent back in time and was sent to be an accountant in the, in the old west um because he's just kind of sardonic and and you know introverted yeah very different character uh than what you'll see in anything from 2000 and on when he's once he's jack sparrow he's eccentric he's over the top he's big he's crazy um and i like it i like that i love the charlie uh sorry the Willy Wonka performance in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory I just think it's so weird and so it just works in the world that Burton paints of and I well I think too like even oh my gosh I'm forgetting the author's name how could I do this uh, um Raw Doll yes like that I've never read the book but me either you know I think that his uh widow helped with that movie or something and she said that it was much more true to the book or his vision of you know yeah and i'm not saying the movie's perfect but i do like that 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 burton film and i love depp's performance as uh willy wonka not as i i love gene wilder's willy wonka so nobody take this as me saying depp's better i appreciate the differences i like that they are not the same movie and i am very okay with them not being the same movie um but yeah i i am i would say I'm a depth fan, especially for his older films. Um, I am a little critical of some of his newer stuff, and I think most people that like him would say the same. I don't know how many people would defend his choices in some of these more recent films, but uh, this film definitely is one that I will be uh, singing the praises of and encouraging people to uh, seek out. And if you um, don't want to buy the Blu-ray, maybe you're too uh, nervous to buy invest in a Blu-ray like this, uh, do know that the Criterion Channel, that is not a sponsor of this show by any means, but nonetheless, the Criterion Channel, um, which is streamable on uh, computers, on Apple TV, I believe, Fire Stick, Roku, um, and uh, mobile devices, um, does have it doesn't have the entire Criterion collection, 
but this movie is available to watch on there. I, I was debating, um, cause I thought Kathy might want to watch this with me and our living room Blu-ray situation is not the best right now. So I was going to like do the 14 day trial, uh, on criterion to watch it on the fire stick out there. Um, <laughs> but she had other stuff going on. So I was like, well, I guess I am free to watch this movie without any concerns. So, um, I ended up just watching my Blu-ray, which I'm glad because I bought the Blu-ray. I wanted to use it, but um, yeah, I really, really, really like this movie, and I'm very glad that it is part of my physical collection. So, same. Well, I think that wraps up the episode on Dead Man. Uh, we just need to do a couple of little cleanup things. One, I'm giving this the must-see rating. I don't know where you are. I think I'm going to go with Not Quite Golden Pony Boy. I don't think that everyone would love this film. That's true, but for my for my sake, it's a must-see, uh, 100%. And it's definitely one I'm going to end up rewatching sooner than later uh, to continue the exploration of this director who I've become quite a fan of over the last couple of years. Um, our next episode, we will, we will be talking about Sunset Boulevard, a film that I have been trying to get to for quite some time um and i'm very excited that we're gonna watch it. it is from 1950 um it is a billy wilder film who i have uh, not seen nearly enough of his films but i'm a huge fan of the apartment and some like it hot and i th- i feel like he did double indemnity but it's not showing up here on his most known for which would be insane he had a, i can't be wrong about that like hold on a second sorry folks i am looking through imdb baffled that i'm wrong i'm not wrong double indemnity 1944 how is that not on his most known for list come on imdb what are you doing but um i I, i'm a fan of the director sunset boulevard is one that i've been meaning to watch um it's probably likely Corey may not like it because it's listed as a film noir Uh, i knew this was gonna happen a screenwriter develops a dangerous relationship with a faded film star determined to make a triumphant return uh, stars William Holden, Gloria Swanson, Eric von Stroheim, um, Nancy Olsen, Fred Clark, Lloyd Goff, Jack Webb, Franklin Farm- Farnham, uh, Larry J. Blake. I don't know if there's anyone else I need to read. Um, but yeah, Sunset Boulevard. I am excited about it, and Corey is less so. Um, we'll be talking <laughs> about that on our next episode as we conclude the Minton Box month of May. Um, if you like what you hear, please rate and review our podcast on whatever service it is that you are listening to us on, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Anchor.fm, um, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. We're on everything, basically. So if you're liking us, please rate us. It helps people find us. Uh, in the meantime, though, you can follow us on social media or reach out to us on social media to share your thoughts and opinions on both the podcast and the movies that we've watched. I am at burke reviews and Corey, at Corey r star two r's on the end please check burkereviews.com for new reviews other podcasts like bloody awesome movie podcast and over at what i watch tonight.co.uk i do a podcast with my buddy matt from the uk uh called movie astrology where we look at a year in film and then i write a crazy horoscope and dub the year a certain thing um this most recent episode which i think uh had just dropped a few days ago um, we do the year 2007, which is a pretty solid year in film, Corey. A lot of good stuff came out that year, but a lot of bad tr- uh, third entries in movies came out that year, too. Like oh. Spider-Man 3. 
Shrek, Stop it. Shrek the Third. And there was one more. What was the other bad trilogy movie? Um, Spider-Man 3 was by far the worst of the trilogy movies. That movie is bad. Um, but And I talk a lot about how bad that movie is on the episode. So, uh, in fact, that will be the cover art, Corey. Uh, look forward yeah, to that. I live for those. Um, Matt, Matt does a lot of fun Photoshop stuff with our faces on the uh, the various movies of the year that we're reviewing. And this one should be no no joke, no doubt. Um, but one last thing before we end the podcast, I don't know if anyone else has this problem with their phone, but I have, I went Android a few years ago and I, I have the galaxy S 10 plus my pocket is getting way too smart with my smartphones. I had my phone off Corey in my pocket. I got up from the dinner table and went into my bedroom and pulled my phone out of my pocket. My phone had not only unlocked itself, but it opened the Facebook app started to post a comment took one of the pictures that I, I i have to take these selfies for matt to photoshop so it's this weird like awkward selfie of me like looking to a weird direction it has taken that picture decorated the picture and was one click away from posting it on facebook so i really just think that it's facebook because I can't tell you how many times Bill and I will talk about something. My husband does not has, have Facebook, no social media. He's way cooler than me. Um, <laughs> that's the coolness that I aspire to. But anyway, um, I will talk about something and then it'll like pop up in my Facebook ads. Yeah, that happens all the time. I haven't Googled it. I just, I feel like Facebook's taking over the world. Well, I, I was like, come on, phone. Stop trying to post weird pictures of me. Because if it had posted, I feel like I would have got a lot of weird questions. Like, what what is this? <laughs> like, Why did you take this weird side <laughs> selfie and then decorate it with weird frilly oh frames? <laughs> I'm just like, I don't even know how it's possible. Because I was sitting still. I was at, like, I was sitting at the table with my phone in my pocket. How did it do all of that? It, it's crazy. But, um, anyways... That's it for this episode. We'll be back next week with our full review of Sunset Boulevard and what we've been watching. And until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, and check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts covering the entire movie-verse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. <laughs>